0: You're listening to a stranger podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary,
1: or if you're looking for sexual harmony,
2: well, there's nothing you can't pass
3: on the Savage podcast. There are two things I want to talk about this week at the top of the show. Uh, one, is a little difficult to talk about because I am speaking to you from the distant past and you are in the far future because we were recording the show a couple weeks out and today, uh, today the day that we are recording the show, the House GOP voted to strip federal funding from Planned Parenthood, cutting money for contraception, HIV prevention, cancer screenings, reproductive health services in an attempt to destroy Planned Parenthood because it is an abortion services provider. The GOP is using as justification to basically nuke Planned Parenthood uh, the false charge that Planned Parenthood uses federal funds for abortions, which Planned Parenthood does not and cannot by law, and does not because Planned Parenthood does not use federal funds for abortion. I wish they did. I wish they could. They probably should, if we were a reasonable and sane country. They would, but they don't. And House GOP is trying to destroy Planned Parenthood, and they need to hear from you. The House GOP needs to hear from you. Your senators, your congressmen, and women need to hear from you. Uh, You need to let them know that you support Planned Parenthood, that you support HIV prevention. You support contraceptives. You would think people who are against abortion would be very supportive of contraception. But of course, they are not because they're hypocrites because they're not really interested in preventing abortions or unplanned or teenage pregnancies. What they're interested in and what they're interested in is punishing women who dare to have sex in this culture. And that's what this really 30-year vendetta by the religious right against planned parenthood is all about. Planned parenthood Provide services for people who may be choosing to be sexually active, perhaps without Jesus's approval, perhaps on their own schedule and not the Pope's schedule. And so the Republicans are out to slit their throats. You know, welcome back. We said it a few weeks ago on the uh, podcast. Welcome back to the culture wars. The Republicans took the house. And I'm sorry to be boring Savage Lovecast listeners on our ships to sea and abroad, but here in the United States, Republicans took the house and the abortion wars are back baby. This is the third or fourth bill that's been moving through the House that targets uh, abortion rights and really people's rights and freedoms to control their own bodies and their own sexualities. And I think it's going to get uglier before it gets less ugly. Things never seem to get pretty here in the United States, but they get l- less ugly and uh, things were less ugly for a while and I think we got kind of spoiled there for a few years. Uh, we are kind of used to not having to fight these rear guard battles to protect already won constitutional rights and protections, but we're back. They're back. The Republican assholes are back. And so the abortion wars are back. So you need to speak up. You need to call your congressman, call your senator, let them know you support Planned Parenthood. You might also want to go to PlannedParenthood.org and make a wee donation so that they know that you've got their backs. Also, uh, the other thing I want to talk about at the top of the show, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago, early September, the cry went out first on the podcast uh, for the It Gets Better project. This is where I announced that Terry and I had recorded a video directly addressing uh, LGBT kids who were being bullied or harassed because of their sexual orientation or gender identity and asked folks to jump in and record videos and to uh, get the ball rolling. I had no idea that uh, just announcing it in my column on the podcast would get the ball rolling in quite the way that it did. We went from one video to 10,000 videos in just... A couple of months, including videos from the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Great Britain, but more importantly, from average, everyday lesbian, gay, bi, trans folks all over the world. And Savage Lovecast listeners got that started. You were the ones who jumped in, recorded the first videos. Now I want to ask you to spread the word that the It Gets Better book, or It Gets Better, the book, is going to be in stores March 22nd. You can pre order now. At itgetsbetter.org. There's going to be a campaign to send these books to every middle school and high school in the country so that they all have one in their library, no excuses. And uh, please go to itgetsbetter.org uh, to pre order and to, to get more information. My proceeds from this book are being donated to Trevor Project and GLSEN and the ACLU's LGBT Youth Project. In the book, you're going to find essays, new works by Michael Cunningham, David Sedaris. Kate Clinton or Vad, along with essays drawn from videos made specifically for the It Gets Better project. Anyway, It Gets Better book coming out March 22nd. Pre-orders now at itgetsbetter.org. And I want to thank everybody out there uh, in Savage Lovecast listener land who really kicked this off, really got this going, uh, really were the first to answer the call. uh, And I'm really appreciative and always will be uh, shocked and humbled by what my flying monkeys can accomplish when they set their minds to it. Your calls after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey,
4: um, this is Michael. And I'm just calling because I had a very amusing incident last night, and it's kind of maybe a thing for the, it gets better, it also gets more amusing. So for any of those kids who have been picked on in high school by bullies who, like, threw their shirts in the lo- into the toilet in the locker room or kicked their chair, did other just stupid stuff to them, go out, work out, become really smart, get a good job, and stay in contact with them. Because I just had one of those bullies hit me up last night, because it turns out that he was probably picking on me because he was attracted to me, and now he wants to get tied up by me and fucked and oral sex. Duh, duh, duh. So it gets better. It also gets really a lot more amusing. Just bide your time and wait. And you'll be surprised who comes out of the woodwork.
3: It gets better in so many interesting ways, does it not? A lot of those kids who are picking on kids who are queer themselves, of course. Are queer. We've gotten videos of the "It Gets Better" project from people confessing, apologizing for the bullying they inflicted on others, and then uh, letting people know that the reason that they were such pricks to the openly gay kids is that they resented them because they were gay and closeted and mad and fearful, and they wanted to deflect attention away from their own sexuality by pointing at the sexualities—the forbidden or dangerous or naughty sexualities of other kids. And uh, yeah, a lot of them are queer. And so it doesn't surprise me, your story. What a happy ending. The guy who picked on you is now going to allow you to tie him up and pick on him. Uh, I think that calls for a videotape session, frankly, and uh, a link being sent to all of us here at the podcast. I was being interviewed last night uh, at Smith, which is the bar in Seattle where my husband in Canada, boyfriend in America, Terry and I made the first It Gets Better video Being interviewed by Nightline, which is going to be doing a piece on the It Gets Better project and the book, uh, time for its release. But being interviewed last night in the bar where we filmed it, and we were having cocktails, and we all agreed, me, Terry, and the woman from Nightline who is interviewing us, very nice woman, that cocktails are one of the ways it gets better, particularly the Pisco Sours at Smith. So, kids, if you're listening, hold on. It gets better is in so many ways. Oh, and one more thing about it gets better. And then we'll move on to real questions. But I got an email the other day from a girl who tried to come out to her parents as a lesbian and they lost their minds and flipped out. And so she went back into the closet at their insistence. And now she tells them that she was just confused and it was identifying as a lesbian was a phase and she's just a tomboy. And she confused being a tomboy and sort of interested in sports uh, with being a lesbian. Uh, and it's not true. She is indeed still a lesbian and is now biding her time until she can get the hell out of her parents' house. And in the meantime, at night, under the covers, in her bed, she is watching It Gets Better videos on her iPhone. And they are, she writes to me, keeping me sane and giving me the strength to go on. So if anyone out there doubts that It Gets Better uh, isn't reaching its intended target, which is vulnerable picked on, abused, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender teens, even if those 10,000 videos with 30 million plus views at this point, if she was the only LGBT kid that we reached, that would be enough. I would be happy and satisfied. But we know that the project has reached thousands and thousands of other lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender kids who are in similar straits. Thanks for your call. And now, some questions.
2: Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a young gay woman and a first-year teacher in Texas. Um, Okay, so Texas does not protect um, on the basis of sexuality. At least my school district doesn't. It will protect on... The basis of religion, creed, race, gender, but not sexuality. So I have to remain anonymous because they could fire me if anybody knew I was gay. Now, here's my problem. My kids i are teaching in inner city school, um, predominantly um, Hispanic, but it's about half and half African-American and Hispanic. And in my classroom, you're not allowed to use the word gay in a slanderous way. And I can't figure out a way to explain to my kids why I have this rule, because they do truly believe that being gay is wrong. Um, I can't... People have been telling me, oh, just come out to them. No, no, that would be the worst decision ever. I can't do that. Um, but i it's turned incredibly volatile. <laughs> Um, because it's just one more thing that they're not allowed to do, and they don't understand why. And I was hoping that you may have some words of wisdom about how to explain this to a group of seventh graders.
3: This is why we need the Employment Non-Discrimination Act passed, uh, to provide job protections for people like this teacher here, who lives in a place that doesn't have uh, job protections for people who are lesbian, gay, bi, or transgender, so she lives in fear and can't say to these kids in the 7th grade classroom, kids who are old enough to know what gay people are, old enough to have formed judgments about gay people, that she is a gay person. And that might be something you want to take into consideration uh, before they slag off gay people in her classroom. You know, you're in a really impossible situation. You could say to these kids, you shouldn't use gay as an insult uh, or speak ill of gay people because it's wrong, because I forbid it, because it's my classroom and I said so. You can say all of that. I would actually encourage you to say all of that. It's wrong, I forbid it, it's discriminatory, this is my classroom, I make the rules, the end. You don't have to justify it past that. You don't have to explain to them. You don't have to give them any other reason. But if you want to give them one other reason... And a little on the fence about whether this is a good reason to toss out a new room full of 7th graders, there's this. Someone in that classroom is gay, besides you. Statistics show that someone in this classroom is probably going to be gay or lesbian, bi or trans when they grow up. So, these comments are very damaging to that person who may be struggling with their sexual orientation, and so we're not going to make those sorts of comments in this room. Kids who are queer, four times likely to attempt suicide if they're rejected by their Families, eight times likelier if they don't have any support at school, even symbolic support, even knowing that there's one teacher who's taking a stand, even if she can't fully articulate the reasons why she's so motivated to take a stand, even likelier to be at risk, or also likely to be at risk. But I'm a little reluctant to tell you to throw that out there because, you know, this little pack of seventh graders, probably like so many packs of seventh graders all over the world it's beyond their comprehension that one of them might be gay, that one of the kids in their own classroom might be gay. And if you tell them the truth that odds are there is a lesbian or gay kid in this room, they could start to look around, try to figure out which one of them is that lesbian or gay kid. And then the kid who's got any touch of gender nonconformity about him or her, The girl who likes to play basketball, the boy who's interested in dance, is going to come in for abuse. So I would encourage you not to make that argument. I would encourage you just to say to these kids with strength, with spine, say to them, it's wrong, I don't allow it, the end, and I don't have to explain any reason. You can say to them, if this was a classroom full of white kids, there were no people of color in this room, Should I allow that classroom full of white kids to use the N-word, to use racist terms, to make racist remarks just because there's no kids of color in the room? No. So even if there aren't any gay people in this room or in this school or in this county or in this great state of Texas, we're not going to use those terms. We're not going to use language like that because it's wrong. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter savage at checkout.
0: Hi, Dan. Um I was listening to your show last week about the um uh, they had the nice woman who came and spoke about kids uh teaching kids about sex and as I was listening to this, something kind of came to mind for me and i um I have all the symptoms i guess of having been sexually abused um, didn't you know for a long time didn't like to be touched and was very afraid of sex and Um, I'm happily married now, but I still don't feel like I'm completely free to uh, enjoy myself. It's sort of very far removed for me at times. And what I'm wondering is that I was never physically touched as a child. Um, I was never raped or assaulted physically, but there was a lot of mental and emotional abuse around sex. My, um, My father used to barge into my room to try and catch me playing with myself, and then he'd beat me. And my parents made a big deal to... I was a... I used to masturbate like in the crib, and my parents used to have me be the butt of jokes, and they would encourage my brother to make fun of me, and they would encourage our babysitter even to make fun of me. And um, my mother also had a lot of boyfriends screwed around on my dad behind his back. And I knew these boyfriends. I sometimes walked in on her with these other men and we knew that we were supposed to keep it a secret and um, my mother also told me all about her sex life and and just uh, just a lot of stuff you know like that but I I'm just wondering is that I mean I don't remember being touched so was that sexual abuse is is mental and emotional abuse around sex still considered sexual abuse or is that Um, A different sort of thing
3: You were never touched You were never raped But your father would burst into the room To try to catch you masturbating And then beat you Presumably if he caught you You were indeed sexually abused You were abused Physically, mentally, emotionally Really damaged spiritually By your asshole parents And sex was the stick That they chose to beat you with That kind of psychological terror will have a lifelong impact if you don't crawl under your own hood and root that shit out. And you may never be able to root it out entirely. I would encourage you to put a padlock on the inside of your bedroom door for those times when you do want to be sexual with your husband. I would encourage you to confront, yell at, firebomb your parents about the shit that they pulled on you. And to shift all responsibility really to their shoulders, which is where it all belongs. And you don't seem to be saying that you were anything but the victim here, but you were the victim here. And I would encourage you to see a sexual abuse counselor, someone who can help you unpack these issues. You're sitting there, you know, trying to parse whether this is just abuse abuse or sex abuse. It's sex abuse. Embrace it. You were abused sexually. You're abused because of your sexuality, because of your parents, because of their hang-ups and weirdnesses and sadism and damage, that then they turn around and inflict it on you. Get help. Get help. Get not jokey jackass sex columnist faggot podcaster help. Get serious help. Get help from someone with a couch that you can lie on for a couple hours a week for as long as it takes for you to accept that indeed you were... Sexually abused, and you were touched, being beaten. You were touched. And you need help digging your way out of this, and I encourage you to go get it.
5: Hi, Ben. Um, um, but I'm a 25 year old guy who um, who's in a who, who has a big interest in, in porn. I guess I, I've always been a, a fan of porn. Um, but I'm calling now because I am in a long distance relationship with a girl who I love. Um, it's been going great. We've been together for a year. And, um, I'm the happiest I am when I'm, when I'm with her, and she's, she's great. Um, but she has very, um, very hard-minded opinions about, about porn. She's very against it. She thinks that it, it's an objectified woman. Uh, she thinks that, uh worst of all, it's degrading to her because she has this very noble idea of that. <laughs> that we should keep intimacy just between the two of us in the relationship, meaning that I shouldn't be fantasizing about other women, uh, and that includes porn, because if I'm watching porn, then um, I'm imagining myself getting off to whoever uh, is in the porn that I'm watching. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I, I tell you, yeah, I, I agree that a lot of porn is very... Um, is very degrading to women, uh, and, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm into amateur porn more, so I think that that's a little better. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so her idea that I'm getting off to the side of the woman that I'm watching in, in a poem, yeah, of course that's true. Uh, I can't deny that. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of half the point. Um, and, and so her idea that we should only be keeping intimacy between the two of I them mean, it's it's, uh, it's a great idea, but it just doesn't seem to be very reasonable um, because, um, so right now I'm, I'm in this long-distance relationship where I live in a different country. We see each other only a few months in between, uh, and, and it's really stressful and it's really fucking hard, you know, um, and uh, I'm not cheating on her. I don't want to be cheating on her at all, uh, and, but... Um, porn, I think is a good way to make sure I'm, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking anywhere else because I'm getting off porn, you know, it works. Um, uh, she, she, she's tried to help me out by sending me photos of her, uh, tablets, which are really hotly really awesome. Um, but, um, but they're not porn quality. You know, that's, that's kind of, um, uh, so, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I can watch porn whenever I want, uh, whatever style I want to find um, you know the whole world of porn is at my fingertips and uh and so you know i I'd much rather be with her I' very sexually satisfied when I'm with her but uh uh when I have porn at my availability, that seems like a good backup option um, so so what do you think I should do uh should I just not jerk off to anything but the, my memory of me having sex with my girlfriend or, you know, or pictures of my girlfriend? Uh, should I watch the porn and tell her about it? Or should I do what I've been doing so far and keep watching porn to deal with stress or sexual frustration or whatever and just lie about it? Uh, I'm not a fan of lying in general, but, you know, so what do you think I should do?
3: You left an option off your list. You could break up with the insecure and controlling bitch, if I may put it that way. Listen, the only workable deal in a mixed marriage like this, a relationship, where one person thinks porn is relatively harmless and is a good tension release and a stopgap measure when you're only going to see each other a couple of months a year and the other person is psychotically insecure and crazy is uh, for the person in your position to tell her what she wants to hear and for the person in her position to pretend to believe you. So you tell her, oh yeah, no porn for me, just those sort of blurry half snaps you sent me of your rack and that'll do. And that's what she needs to hear to be in this relationship. You say it, she pretends to believe you. Perhaps she actually does believe you, if she does believe you. On top of being insecure and controlling, she's an idiot.
6: Hi, I'm a straight female, about 22 years old, and um, I'm calling because I um, have been having a hard time feeling erotic when masturbating, and I think a lot of it has to do with I, I can't find any porn or erotic novels or anything that fits my fantasy, I guess, and um, all of the, I go online and everything I find actually turns me off. I'm not into it, and I don't know if a lot of women are faced the same issue because a lot of um, porn is based towards a, a male audience, a straight male audience for that matter, and so I guess, I know you're a You are a gay man, but um, I was looking for um, some good resources for some sex, posi, um, erotic porn or novels, and if you had any great ideas of where to find those things. Thank you.
3: Joining me by phone, Rachel Rabbit White, sex journalist and blogger and the woman behind Lady Porn Day, which actually sort of was Lady Porn Week at your blog and others. Tell us about Lady Porn Day.
1: So Lady Porn Day is a day to essentially celebrate porn and masturbation. And I'm inviting everyone to talk about their porn experiences, share stories, and ultimately porn, share their porn links and recommendations.
3: And this is, um,
1: because, sorry?
3: this is for women. and
1: This is for women because it's tough out there trying to explore porn
3: as a girl. Why is that?
1: Uh, you know, I think it's a few reasons. I think it's because there's not a lot of lady-friendly porn that's out there. I think it's a daunting task to just search for porn, uh, especially porn that women are comfortable with. But I also think that women are sort of not socialized to uh, like porn. It's the same taboo against masturbation Mm -hmm. with women, the same taboo against
3: porn. Okay, so we just listened to a call from from a, a, a listener who is a woman and her masturbation routine has grown a little flat and her imagination has sort of run dry. And she's having a hard time finding porn and she said it's all everything out there is made for men and there's nothing for women Mm -hmm. you're a lady you're a woman tell her that's not true
1: it's not true i think that when you say something like you know women should watch porn and porn can be healthy that it's easy to assume that as women we have to become okay with the sites that you automatically think of when you hear porn which is like a bunch of pop-up windows and like close-ups of someone's anus but you know that's not true you don't have to like become okay with those close-ups. It's about finding the porn that you're comfortable with. And there is a lot of porn out there. Maybe it's erotica, maybe it's softcore or whatever. And, you know, like you say, Dan, if you don't find it, go create your own.
3: So what, you know, unfortunately we're talking to you, the, you know right before Lady Porn Day and this mm-hmm. week of celebrating porn uh, by and for women and women sharing uh, links and advice. Uh, we're talking to you before, but the podcast is actually going out after. So where can uh, people find uh, this information? Are you going to archive it? Uh, the you know the the collective wisdom that you draw out of the sex positive lady blogosphere at the end of the week? Where can people go for these links yes. and uh, to read about uh, Lady Porn Week, even if they missed it?
1: Everything is going to be at rabbitright.com backslash Lady Porn Day, and that's right, like because I'm a writer. And also, if you check out the Twitter hashtag, hashtag LadyPornDay, everything should be there as well. And um, we're going to do a Julian off Hall of Fame on Rabbit Right, which is going to be just a link to the best of the porn that everyone finds.
3: And what about ladies who their preferred porn is a close-up shot of an anus?
1: Is a close-up shot of an anus?
3: Yeah, you're sort of slagging off close-up shots of anuses, and I just want to speak <laughs> up for the close-up shot of anus community, because they're going to call so me and sorry. yell at me. There's going to be somebody out there who that's their you know, that, that's in their wedding album and they're going to be very upset about the way you and I just sort of tossed it around <laughs> as an example of the worst sort of porn.
1: Well, that's just a porn that I don't like to see, but if you like that as a lady, that's totally cool. And I, you know, I dare you to share that too. Go ahead and tweet that at me.
3: So it'll all be at rabbitright.com slash porn day next week. Uh, mm-hmm. Rachel Rabbit White, thanks so much for joining us and good luck with uh, Lady Porn Week and we'll be checking in with you afterwards to see how it went.
2: Thanks so much. Thank you, Dan. Sure thing. Bye. Hello, I'm Dan. Uh,
7: um, I'm a 22-gay male, um, and I'm actually... I've been seeing this guy for a while, and um, I really like him. I mean, like, I really, really like him. You know, I think he's, like, the one whatever type of thing. You know, I mean, I really like him a lot. Um, the problem is, is that our sex life sucks. I mean, it's horrible, really, really bad. I kind of feel like a lot, in the relationship on the bottom. But the problem is, is that he always, he always expects, but he doesn't really give. And, like, he gives horrible head. And, like, I'm, like, a nipple type guy. And he doesn't even do, like, he doesn't, you know, have like my nipples played with and stuff like that. And he says that he'll rim, but he'll only rim if he cleans me out. I hate to sound like, like a selfish pig and everything, but at the same time, I'd rather clean myself out because that's just kind of weird him seeing me cleaning myself out, it's just kind of nasty, you know? Um, But I just really would love if he would just give me head. But when he does give me head, it's so painful. It just makes me not want to do it at all. So basically, like, I give him head, I play a the nipples, and then he pops me, and then that's it. And then usually I'll jack off and he'll finger me, which is okay, but half the time, he doesn't know how to finger at all, like, These are like his fingers are pretty like pretty much like sausages, and he'll just like try to ram that thing in there. There's like no foreplay. I'm like you got to think of me as like a virgin girl or something like that, you know, and just go in softly and let me enjoy it. You know, I don't enjoy it. It's just rough. He has what I call porno syndrome. You know, watching porno, all you see is just a cut where they just stick it, where they just ram it in, and that's how he is. Like. And he's mentioned before that he wants to, you know, bottom for me and he wants to, you know, do that for me. And I've just really been thinking, like, when he bottoms for me, I'm just going to ram it into him and do no foreplay and kind of show him how it feels, you know? But I don't want to be like that. I just really want to enjoy a sex life because everything else is so good, you know what I mean? And, you know, know, as a gay male, you understand what it's like to finally meet somebody that you like you know, we really care about it everything, but man, sex life is just rough. And this is just the beginning, you know, we've only been seeing each other really for four months. You know, we've only been having sex for a month. And I'm like, the sex life is this bad already, you know? If are we going to be one of those couples that just ends up not having sex at all? And I mean, I'm the kind of, he's gone without sex for a year. And I've gone without sex for like months, you know? So we can last a pretty long time without sex, but... I really don't want to be like that kind of couple, but I mean, I just want i just want to be
3: satisfied, you know? People who spend a lot of time watching porn clips on, say, Xtube will really end up watching a lot of 20-, 30-second clips, uh, so they're looking at tiny little segments of longer pornos, uh, and it's going to be, you know, the leap in and go. There's not going to be a lot of warm-up. Not that there's that much warm-up in porno anyway. A lot of that warm-up happens off camera off screen, and uh, people should be smart enough to infer that, that there is some foreplay before the uh, play play actually begins. Your boyfriend apparently is not smart enough to infer that. You know, there are some people who are lousy in bed because no one's ever put their hand on the person's chest and moved them a foot away and said, look, it can't keep going like this. I don't enjoy this. Uh, You give lousy head. You're trying to jam your fat sausage fingers in me like that does not work. It takes time to warm up an ass, anybody's ass, not just my ass. You just can't dive in like that. And so we're going to have to tear you down and rebuild you sexually if you want to be my boyfriend, Uh, because this isn't, gonna fly. Now some people will respond to that, you know, they'll cry, they'll be upset, they'll be sad to learn that they're so lousy, but they don't want to be lousy. So they'll, it'll sink in. They'll want to be rebuilt. They'll want you to tear them down and help them learn how to be better at this thing. Maybe you're not the first guy who had this reaction. Maybe when you say this to him out loud, he'll realize that other relationships that he was in came to an end, because the person just said this guy sucks in bed and dumped him without saying anything to him, and he didn't have a chance to improve his game. That said, some people are lousy in bed because they're selfish and manipulative. He may give lousy head on purpose. He may do the things for you that you enjoy that require some effort on his part ineptly in the hopes that you won't ask him to do those things. He's not really interested in... You or your pleasure. He's only interested selfishly in his own. If that's the case, you know, call him on this. Say what I just told you to say. And if there's no improvement, no effort to improve, no realization that improvement is needed, then he's a selfish, manipulative piece of shit and you should dump him. That said, everything else is good. You really like the guy. That's great. That's your leverage. You, it sounds like you've both acknowledged how hard it is for guys your age to meet nice, stable, sensible people that you can have a relationship with. So there's a great deal at stake here if there isn't any improvement. And he should realize that. And you can help him realize that by saying to him, look, everything else is so good, it would be a shame. It would be so sad. It would be such a bummer to go back into the dating pool. I like you so much. But I just... No, I couldn't live like this for 40, 50 years with just sex being the way that it is with you right now. So let's slow down. Let's work on this. Let's back way the hell up. Let's masturbate together. Let's not do anything penetrative. Leave my ass alone and don't put your fingers in it. And let me show you how I'm done. Not necessarily how it's done. Who knows? Maybe his technique, this gruff, dominant, jamming in you, maybe he had some like power bottom always greased up boyfriend or boyfriends before and that was exactly what they wanted and he's just giving you what he thinks works because it's worked on others and you need to tell him it doesn't work on you and if he wants to keep you in his life with everything being so good you're gonna have to start over start from scratch And he's gonna have to relearn how this sex thing is done and you're worth it
4: Hey, Dan, I was just calling in response to episode 224, um, where you and our lovely guests were um, giving advice about uh, poly parents and taking their kids to Burning Man, and I heard the uh, little comment about sand in your crack, and uh, it's abundantly clear to anyone who's been to Burning Man that anyone who mentions sand probably hasn't gone. There's no sand at Burning Man, it's just dust. And um, before you've gone, you know, it's hard to really pass judgment on the whole festival. Yes, at night it is a big race paradise with lots of people drugging out and running around. But uh, during the day is when most of the families come out and you'll see whole beautiful families with two grandparents and a mom and a dad and another person and then a few kids and maybe a baby on a giant wheeled vehicle roaming around looking at the art we saw um last year i saw a group of junior scouts which were scouts to be rangers at burning man not normal scouts and they were watching a uh a man playing a tuba that was on fire and they were all totally cute and pretty much the entire experience during the day is fairly wholesome there's no debauchery Um, Most of the people who indulge in the debauchery are asleep at that time. So like any other city, uh, at nighttime, it becomes a little less kid-friendly. But during the day, it's a pretty safe, pretty open, wonderful environment. There's lots of police officers and rangers and medical people running around, keeping everything safe. And as far as a city that size of 50,000, it's one of the safest places that you could be at. And it's pretty wholesome during the day. Just thought I would
8: let you know. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm calling to response to I think it was podcast two two four, and you, a woman called in with questions about uh, being poly and raising kids. Um, and I felt like your response and Amy's response was kind of dismissive and a little biased. It made a lot of assumptions about the kind of relationship she was talking about having. Um, like you're sort of grouping in. Uh, two really different things. Parents who take outside lovers and participate in poly that way or families with a structure that includes, you know, like more than two parents. And, you know, I've been in a three-person relationship committed for a little over eight years. We've got three kids, you know, and so we're at least like sort of an exception to your, um, you know, three-person marriage not lasting rule. (laughs) And we live in the Midwest, so I'm sure we can't be the only people uh, who manage to live like this. Um, You know, Amy recommended that you know, and you call the third party uncle rather than dad. Um, and that's kind of a lie, you know, if they're actually helping raise the kid um, or could be that kid's parent. You know, some relationships with three people are as much about the companionship as the two-parent relationship. And, uh, you know, and the sex part doesn't come up any more than it would in a two-parent homosexual or heterosexual relationship. You know, if you're open and honest with everyone around you and honest with your kids, you know, that's the important part of the example you're setting. You know, and my kids have always had two dads and a mom, you know, we live in a house together, we share a bedroom together, and it's not really a big deal for them. It's kind of, you know, almost a non-issue. Um, you know, they handle it well because we set an honest, you know, the, like, example for them. and They don't find it confusing. Um, and the non-traditional aspect does come up, but not really any more than it does for gay parents. You know, your, your response kind of dismissed the idea that a committed three-parent relationship, you know, functions similarly to, you know, committed two-parent relationships. And I I feel like it takes a lot of guts to, like, live your life openly. And your answer kind of implied that two parent families are superior because they don't cause questions or strife for the kids. And it's only really confusing to the kids if you make it confusing. You know, um, my son's in school. Um, he's not little anymore. And, you know, he's had a couple of people make comments. Um, and those comments are treated like any other big comments. comment. You know, our family's a little different, but our kids are strong enough to handle it. And, you know, they benefit by having three people to support them financially and emotionally. You know, we're honest with everybody about stuff. And, you know, the way that our family runs is pretty great. You know, we run errands, take care of the baby. You know, all that kind of stuff is, like, easier because we have an extra set of hands. You know, we've got, you know, more financial support. Anyway, so I just wanted to call and sort of give give a response to that because I took exception to sort of grouping everything together and this idea that somehow we should be, you know, not us with our kids, or, you know, just sort of try to hide the fact that there's, you know, a different way for us to, like, function in a relationship. Hey,
4: just had to comment on show number 224 and Burning Man. People should go to Burning Man before they comment on Burning Man. Burning Man is many things, and there are generally... Many children there. I have seen many healthy, happy children having a wonderful time at Burning Man. Are there raves? Yes. In their sections. Are there drugs? Yes. Are there people who are naked? Yes. Does it all look perfectly normal? In Burning Man, it does. So love the show, but you should check something out before you talk about it.
3: One quick letter before we go. I don't read letters very often on the podcast, but this came to the Savage Love Mail. Hey, Dan, my husband and I took your advice this Valentine's Day. Advice I only gave on the podcast. I am the only sex columnist in America, in the world, who uh, ignores Valentine's Day in his sex column as a point of principle and pride. Anyway, she writes, husband and I took your advice this Valentine's Day and fucked First, remember podcasters, uh, the only advice I had for Valentine's Day was, if you must participate in this bullshit holiday, don't go out to dinner and drink a bunch of wine and have some death by chocolate dessert and then go home and think you're going to fuck because you're both going to be knocked on your ass. You're have a gut full of food, you have wine in your system and chocolate and you're not going to feel like fucking. And my advice was fuck first and she writes, we fucked first, best Valentine's Day ever Today is his birthday, and we have dinner reservations for 9.30 p.m., so that we have time for a birthday blowjob beforehand. Thank you, Dan, for everything. You are welcome, Letter Writer. And uh, <laughs> you are welcome, Letter Writer's husband. Uh, enjoy the blowjob. Also, we wanted to let folks know who listen to the podcast that now you can comment on the podcasts. People who, we get a lot of calls every week with people who want to argue with me and tell me I'm full of shit or agree with me, or have some helpful advice uh, for a caller, uh, some additional advice. And we can't play all of those calls. We try to play a few every week, but we can't get to them all. But now, in addition to uh, calling us up with your feedback, you can also go to thestranger.com lovecast and leave comments at the bottom of the podcast. Write up your comments and leave them online forever for everyone to see. is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a call or a question for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. Go to itgetsbetter.org and pre-order the It Gets Better book from the It Gets Better project that you Savage Lovecast listeners got rolling so many months ago. And me and the tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.